this opponent You know me, I know you, we know it Whenever I fail, you always been there To simply remind me you're blown it You don't see when I'm growing You don't see where I'm going You only see in the moment, you know my mistakes You never let go in huh? Don't cease to amaze me, and it drive me crazy huh? Did you catch every detail that I missed In the songs I'm making, saying You will never write a verse like Kendrick Never be the rapper I got from Hendrix Top 10 alive, you will never be mentioned Why I aim so high, once about the trenches Plus, you a Christian, Andy They will never listen, Andy Plus, we a pigment, Andy <laughs> You don't got skill, you a gimmick, Andy Well, if I listen to you And everything you put in my ear I be living like, what up, shut up, could up I be paralyzed by fear huh? Ain't that the truth? If I quit, the only way I lose I got two choices when I do this Make moves or make excuses huh? If you know who I'm talking about Then you got me My biggest enemy is me, and even I can't stop me. They try to shut us down, and it ain't gon' slide. Only thing I fear is God, and He on my side. That's the confidence I got, 'cause He got me. That's why I really feel like you can't stop me. That's all you got. What's up, what's up, what's up? How is everybody tonight? All right? That, that cheer didn't sound very good. How are you tonight? All right, there we go, there we go. Hey, we are so honored to have you here tonight. In fact, tonight is the night that we've all been waiting for where we are introducing our brand new youth pastor. That's right, our brand new youth pastor. It is going to be amazing. We are so excited for tonight. We hope that you are as well. Um, it's gonna, he is incredible, and he can't wait to speak to you tonight. But first, before we jump in, I just have a quick question that I think you two need to discuss about. You see, the question is, would you rather receive a $100 gift card to anywhere or a $500 gift, or a $500 gift that your grandmother gave you? Discuss amongst yourself for the next 90 seconds. Go talk to somebody and answer this question.
Okay, okay, okay. What was your deciding vote? For, just yell it out. What was it? The Grandma. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard a couple of you, and I agree with you. Hey, who knows that Grandma knows best? Yeah? I'm from the South, and I know that Grandma knows best. That's right. Hey, I'm just kidding. Um, but really, though, hey, I want to give a quick shout-out. Who knows Victor here? Victor is back in town with us and has, has sacrificed his time to come lead worship with us. So uh, we are honored to have him here back from ORU. He is a DSM alum. So hey, um, tonight is going to be amazing. But first, before we do anything, let's welcome the Lord in prayer. Am I right? Am I right? Hey, if you will, lift up your hands and invite the Lord in this place right now. Invite the Lord in this place. Jesus, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, we love you in this place. Jesus, nothing else matters right now except to know you, except to love you, except to see you move in this place tonight. So Holy Spirit, come. So Holy Spirit, come. Nothing else matters. Burn inside of us, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We honor you in worship in this place right now. We honor you, Holy Spirit. So come and do what only you can do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.
to the Lord. Come on. Lift it up. Jesus, we love you in this place. We're coming after you tonight, Lord. Jesus, we love you. Can we all just lift our hands to him? Yes, Lord. We fix our eyes on you. Nothing else matters in this moment. Only you, Jesus.
to take root in your heart tonight. Think about the word trust. That in every season we would believe who he is, that he is who he says he is, no matter what we face, no matter what may change. Our world guarantees to always change, but our God stays the same, and we can trust him. We can trust him. Yeah, he's faithful. Faithful in every season. Faithful through it all. So God, tonight we trust you.
we want you. Come and consume, God, all we are. We give you permission, our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. So come and consume, God, all we are. We give you permission, our hearts are yours. We want you. transition in a time of uh, tithes and offering. And uh, how many of you were here last week and heard uh, Jared give the offering message just by a show of hands? Awesome. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing message. And uh, if, for those of you who weren't there, he talked a lot about living a life of generosity, extravagant generosity, and dying to greed on the inside of us. And he did an altar call, and I, I came forward and uh, I was like, I'm a, I'm a leader here at DSM. And I was like, is it okay for me to come forward? I was just like, you know what, don't worry about it. I'm just going to go forward. And so after that, I was so pumped. I was like, how can I live this out? How can I live a life of generosity? And so I'm just thinking through the week. What can I give? What can I give? What do I have to give? Who can I give to? And God's just putting things on my heart. And then on Sunday, uh, this happened. This, this cast right here. Come on. Um, I was... I was with my cadre and we were playing dodgeball and uh, I rushed the center line, which is a big mistake if Graham is on the other team. And so uh, he took it to me and I think my team lost and I, I broke a finger. So anyway, um, after it happened, I went to the doctor and the, the thought that was going through my head is like, I know this is going to cost me a ton of money. And 
and actually the doctor was like, what's your, what's your uh, pain on scale from one to 10? I'm like, it's probably a four, the pain, but it's an additional six because I know talking to you is like $200 in and of itself. And so anyway, after I, heard, I learned how much it costs, the first thought I had was, it's like, and I know this is terrible, I was like, okay, I was gonna give that money, but now I'm gonna use this money to pay for this. And I know that sounds terrible, but that's just the way we think sometimes. We're like, okay, I got these things in life that I gotta take care of, and if I have any left over, I'll give. And right in that moment, the Holy Spirit just impressed something on my heart that I wanna share, and I believe it's for all of DSM. He said, Austin, now is the perfect time to give. Now is the perfect time to give. You know, sometimes in life there are things that happen that just, they, that are just awful. And, they, and you want to hunker down and you want to kind of cringe and, and go in your safety mode when they happen. But that's not the way God operates. When those things happen, he gives us the ability to be selfless and to look outside of ourselves. And so I want to encourage you today with this quote that I heard that just stuck with me. The quote is by Albert Pine, and it says, what we do for ourselves, it dies with us. But what we do for others is eternal, it's immortal. And so guys, we have an opportunity right now, regardless of what you're facing, you have the ability to go outside of yourself and to live beyond yourself and to live a selfless life. If you look at the life of Jesus, from the moment he was born until the moment he died, he faced obstacles and challenges, but he kept giving of himself until his final breath. And as Christians, we're called to do the exact same things, especially with our finances. We're called to give everything. And you know what? God is smart. He calls us to live a selfless life because he knows that is the best possible way you can live. And I just want to encourage you, if there's anything that's holding you back from giving, oftentimes it's greed, oftentimes it's self-preservation. I want to encourage you that as a child of God, you have nothing to worry about. God cares for the righteous and he looks after you and he has your entire life planned out to the T. And when he puts it on your heart to give, I encourage you to give because every time you do, you are showing God that Lord, you are the Lord of my life. You are my protector. You are my provision. And by submitting this money to you, I am saying that nothing can come against me that will destroy me because I am under your Lordship. And so tonight before we give, I just want to pray over you and declare that uh, kind of what Jared did last week. So if you want to open up your hands to receive this, I just want to pray over you real quick. Lord Jesus, I pray that us as a team and as DSM, that we would be marked by selflessness, that we would not let greed or anything come against us, but we marked by selflessness. When we have the ability to look after our needs or others, we would learn to look outside ourselves. Lord Jesus, I pray when we come into offerings, we wouldn't have the mindset of, do I have to give? We'd have the mindset of, I get to give, I want to give. And Lord Jesus, I pray this moment that these students be marked by that, that this would be a generation that would know that they don't have to live for themselves, but they can live past themselves. And so, Lord Jesus, we bring you our tithes and our offerings tonight. Receive them and know that you are the Lord of our life and Lord of this gathering. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. All right. All right. Well, you guys can make your way back to your seats. Uh, they're going to be passing around buckets. And uh, as you make your way back, turn your attention to the screen. There's going to be some announcements.
Hello, hello. Good evening. How are we doing, DSM? Good, good. It was a frigid night. 34 years ago, almost, I was sitting in an old station wagon with fake wood paneling with my mom. And on that night, almost 34 years ago, I invited Jesus into my life for the very first time. It was an amazing moment. It changed the trajectory of my life forever. And if I've learned anything over the last 34 years of doing what I know, doing my best to follow this radical, revolutionary guy named Jesus, it's this. God is who he says he is. When you first come to know him, you know in theory that God is good, that God is a provider, that God is a rescuer, that God is a healer, and on and on and on. But when you start to walk with him year after year after year, it changes from something in your head to something you know because you've lived it out and you've watched him show up in your life time and time and time again. And the more that happens, the more you love him. And the, the more that that happens in your life, the more passionate you become about Jesus. And the more you want to follow him and obey him and just be obsessed with who he is. We've been in a season where we've been wondering, where we've been waiting, where we've been questioning, God, I know you're a provider, but really, is that really who you are? And we've been praying and asking God, what's next for our youth ministry? What's next for our church? And I'm here tonight to tell you that God is who he says he is every time. God is a provider. And God has provided a family, an amazing family, to lead DSM in this next season. And I can't tell you how excited I am. And tonight is the night that I get to introduce our next youth pastor. And I've had the joy of of getting to know him over the last few weeks, going, sitting down, eating breakfast with him, sitting across the table, sharing our favorite coffee drink together. And you know what I love about this man? Is he is not afraid to open up his life and his heart so wide and share what he's gone through, what he's been through, and how Jesus has shown up in his family, in his life, in his marriage. In every way imaginable, Jesus has shown up for this man. And when he tells these stories, I, I'm just like, okay, one hour, two hour, three hour, four hours goes by, and I'm like, keep on coming, man. I'm just pumping this guy with questions. He's a passionate man. He and his wife, when they don't know what to do, you know what? Instead of trying to figure it out on their own and their own mental power, they fast, they pray, and they wait until God speaks. I love that about him. I'm so excited for you guys to meet our next youth pastor. So will you join me in welcoming to the stage David Martin.
Oh my gosh. Oh. Oh. Y'all are killing me. You got to sit down. I won't have anything to say if you keep doing that. All right, just give me a second, y'all. All right, we're going to have plenty of time. Um, I'll fast forward my story. You'll hear it tonight. Um, it was 2013. It was May of 2013. And I was in my youth group, and I was a youth pastor. And I was standing on the stage, and I was looking into faces just like yours and saying, my next Sunday's going to be, or my last Sunday's going to be next Sunday. And we wept, and we hugged, and I keep in touch with many of my students over the last 10 years of being a youth pastor, but it never gets easier leaving. But I tell you something, man, um, I am so honored that God would allow me to be a youth pastor, not to just any youth group, but to this one. And I want to let you know that my pledge to you is to do two things, if I could do anything. And that is, I'm going to love you unconditionally, and there is nothing that you can do or say or bring to me that's going to rattle me to the point where I won't love you. So just know that on the front end, and that's, you'll, you'll see that proven to be true in your life. The next thing is my goal is to point you to Jesus, because he's the only one that can fix your problems. He's the only one that can heal the wounds on your heart. He's the only one that can show you his will. He's the only one that can do that. But I cannot wait. As your youth pastor, along with the amazing youth workers, the, the home team, as we invest in you and point you to Jesus, man, this is going to be a good season. But I know you've just come through a hard one. But can I tell you something? Brandon is a personal friend of mine, and I've known Brandon for a couple of years now. We've had dinner together. We've eaten together. We've laughed together. I've heard his heart. I know Brandon, and he's a dear friend of mine. And we actually had lunch a couple of weeks ago at Cheddar's, and he was eating chicken fingers, and he said, David, you got to get the chicken fingers here. And I was like, all right, bro, I'll, I'll do it. Okay, cool. So we're dipping chicken fingers in this cold gravy at Cheddar's, and we're just sitting there. And you know, one of the things that he said, he said, this really is the best youth ministry, the youth group, best youth group on the planet. And as sure as I stand here, guys, I know that to be true. And I already feel at home, and I hope you do too. It's going to be a good year. Before we get into anything, can we pray and honor Pastor Brandon? Can we do that? That guy's so anointed. He's so called. I love him, and I know you love him. So why don't we pray for him and his family? Let's stand and hold hands. And let's just honor him and pray for him as he begins to introduce himself to a new youth group. We're both in the same boat. Let's lift up Pastor Brandon and his beautiful family. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you so much for the legacy that has been left here by Brandon Cormier and his wife Octavia and their beautiful children. I want to thank you, Lord, for the disciples that are standing up right now praying for him. They didn't know Jesus when they walked through the doors, but they found and discovered Christ through the spoken word and the preaching of the word. And now they're disciples and followers of Jesus Christ because of the ministry you did through Brandon and his family. 
I thank you, Father, that there is a, a priority in this house for worship. I thank you that it's not just an opening act for the preacher, but it's equally important when we petition your throne, as we come before your throne and we worship the living God, thank you that there is a culture here of that because of the legacies of Brandon and the youth pastors that came before him. Father, I thank you that there is an emphasis on intercession and prayer and the vow and that that was taken seriously and threaded into the hearts and the minds and the souls of the students and those who have graduated from here who have now gone on to do amazing things for the kingdom because of the right leadership that you called here. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless Brandon and his beautiful wife, Octavia, and the children, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would bless them tremendously as the kingdom has expanded, as they've been sent out to Arizona to a dark and hurting town of Tucson. Oh, Father, we know that your plans for them will be great and that the kingdom will be advanced and that students that look just like these students and, Father, with the same wounds, the same things, Father, they're going to discover that Jesus loves them through the ministry you do through that family. So, Father, I pray that you would surround them, bless them, protect them, give them great favor, prosper them. I pray, Lord, that everything that they do, Father, in your name, Jesus, would be blessed and that strongholds would be broken. Father, that lives would be changed, souls would be won, and that, Lord, the redeeming power of your Holy Spirit would be so strong through the ministry of Brandon and his family. Thank you for them, and thank you, Father, for entrusting these students into my care now. Lord, may I be faithful to finish well the tasks you have given me. For the glory of your name, bless our night in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So Brad mentioned something about me sharing stories for three, four hours. And all of you, I felt the collective sickness like, oh, my gosh, how long are we going to be here? i got to call my mom. She's going to be mad, right? No, that's not what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to give you a snapshot of my story. And We have parents in here. Can we give some love to the parents in the room? Now, I love parents. I am a parent. I'm a parent of a 20-year-old son, David Jr., who also happens to be. Come on, stand up. Look how amazingly good-looking this kid is. He is second-year DLA. He's in core this year. Yep. And I might as well, my beautiful daughter, Ashley, who is eight years old. <laughs> Where are your shoes? I really do put shoes on my kid, but you know what? She feels at home, obviously. Maybe I should take mine off, too. So this is Ashley. She's in second grade. She's my little blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby. It looks like we stole her from Sweden, but she really is ours. And then my beautiful wife, Sarah. This hot, smoking hot, fine specimen of woman. I love her so much. She's my partner in ministry. She's my best friend. And we will be celebrating our 21st anniversary this Friday. So this is my beautiful family. And uh, yeah, so there you go. So thanks, guys. Now, unless you want to preach the sermon, you got to leave. Um, I could talk about vision tonight, and I could talk about where we're going in 2017. David, are we going to do Coram Deo? Are we going to Let's not worry about any of that tonight. The reason why is this. I can cast all the vision, 
all the, all the ideas that I could give you all the details about what this ministry is going to look like on a calendar. But you know what? No one's going to follow a vision unless you know the heart of the person leading you. So I would much rather just spend my time just saying, hey, this is what God's done in my life, and this is the word of my testimony. And guys, let me just tell you on the front end, I have no good reason to stand on this stage and say that I'm your youth pastor apart from Jesus in my life, okay? There's nothing special about me except Jesus. And one thing that you're going to find out about me is I cannot wait to learn your names. Be patient with me because there's a lot of you. Um, But in addition to that, I can't wait to hear your stories. I'm such a fan of hearing people's stories. And one of my most favorite things about being a youth pastor is sitting down somewhere and, and just like looking into the eyes of a student and just letting them share their story. And so if I run into you, I'm going to say, hey, listen, man, I want to know your story. Sh- share it with me. Vomit on me. I want to hear the good, bad, and the ugly. I want all of it. And the reason why is because stories are as unique as the fingerprints on your hands. And what's so amazing and so compelling about stories is that if I lined all you guys up in a big row, I could go down and listen to your stories, and it's amazing what has happened in your lives that has led you to the very chair that you're sitting in tonight. It's crazy. God is so amazing like that, so I'm fascinated by stories. And so here's where the ideal place would be if I were to hear your story and we had the time to sit down. We would be at Starbucks, okay? And, 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 you know, there's, there's some coffee haters in the house, and you're like, oh, that's so, what a, I understand, but Starbucks is my, my bae. That's the way I would put it. And um, imagine you and I were sitting in the leather chairs, because the, only the blessed and highly favored sit in those leather chairs, right? And, and we would be sitting there, and I would buy you the big goblet of God's goodness, whatever the Venti Trenti mega smack your mama drink, whatever it is that you want. Not, not, to, not to encourage violence, but it's just a name. And I would say, what's your story? And maybe you would share some high points, right? Maybe, of course, we all want to share the good stuff. Oh, David, I've been here. I traveled to this country. I've been on this mission trip. I'm doing this. When I graduate, I'm doing that, right? Those are fun things to share. And maybe as we continue to talk, you would understand that you could trust me. And maybe you would start to share maybe the, some of the tougher things that have happened in your life. Some of you have gone and lived in a house where there's divorce that's either taking place right now or you've been involved and your house is split and the drama that goes along with that. Maybe uh, you've been wounded by other people and you start sharing these things too. And maybe as you shared some of those things, maybe if I said, well, Tell me a jacked up story. And if you don't know what I mean by that, see, I'm from Texas. And so we have this term. When we say something is jacked up, it means, I'll give you an example. It's like if you have your best friend and you're like, listen, I'm about to tell you something. But you got to swear, don't judge me and don't tell anybody. And then you you share the story. You're like, and then you'll know if it's a jacked up story if they do this. That is so jacked up. That's the kind of story I'm talking about. But you see, it takes a special relationship to share the jacked up stories. We could share our pain. We could share the good stuff. But sharing a jacked up story requires some vulnerability. So here's one thing I want you to know about our youth group. I don't want our youth group to be a youth group that has to wear masks. Is that cool? Can we be, Colorado Springs has a lot of churches, and there's a lot of great churches here. 
But I want our youth group to be known for a couple of things. Number one, it's the youth group where no one has to wear a mask. I want this to be a youth group where we're so transparent and we're so honest about where we are that we don't put on this phony show and, and make it so unrealistic that when someone new comes through the door that's truly seeking for answers, that they go, oh my gosh, now I understand what the world means when they call all these people fake. Why can't we be a real youth group where real people can walk in through the door and experience the real love of Jesus, not the fake manufactured poser version, right? So just so you know, that's where I'm coming from, and that's where I'm leading this youth group. We're going to be a real youth group. It's going to be a safe place. Well, someone's got to go first. And so maybe we're sitting there in those leather chairs, and you're like, okay, Dave, you know, um, I really don't feel comfortable telling you a jacked up story. Why don't you go first? And you know what I would do? I would take a sip of my caramel macchiato smack your mama drink. And I'd say, okay, here's what happens. Jacked up story. One of the best jacked up stories that I could ever share. All true. It started with this girl named Christine. Okay? Now, you know when a story opens up like that, you got to know it's going to be jacked up, right? It's, it's going to be messed up. So here's what happened. I loved seventh grade so much that I did it twice, okay? So my second lap around seventh grade, it's the beginning of the school year. I'm completely humiliated, and I'm sitting in this desk with all of these losers that were sixth graders that are now in my grade, right? No offense to sixth graders. But I mean, I'm in seventh grade, and I'm like, it's supposed to be in eighth grade. And I'm sitting in there, and, and then like three or four days into the school year, the door opens to the classroom. And this girl walks in. When you walk into the room, everything changed because I'm sitting there. That is so wrong to, to take that song and apply it to this. So you're going to also learn that I, I don't think before I speak many times. Anyway, this girl walks through the door, and I look at her, and I'm not kidding y'all. My seventh grade should be eighth grade self was sitting there going, oh, my gosh. You know what? They, they say there's no such thing as love at first sight. Well, I don't know what I was feeling but it was something I never felt before, okay? And I look at her, and I go, oh, my gosh. And it's like time stood still. And I'm sitting there, and I go, oh, my gosh. I love her. She's going to be my boo. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to, and then I just, my mind started wondering, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. She's going to be, become my boo. And then we're going to, like, become the high school sweethearts, and then we're going to graduate, and then we're going to, like, go in college, and we're going to get married, and it's going to be amazing, and then we're going to have kids, and then we're going to raise those kids, and then we're going to kick them out of the house, and then we're going to sell the house, and we're going to buy an RV, and we're going to travel the country as old people, and then we're going to die, and we're going to be buried right next to one another. It's going to be amazing. Stalker much, right? Then she sits down at the desk next to me, and I'm like, think, Dave, think. What you got to understand is I didn't have any game, okay? And you're like, you really, I could tell you don't now either. We don't know how you got that hot redhead. But so I'm like sitting there, and I'm like, think, David, what can you do to get this girl's attention? And I make her laugh. So I try making her laugh, and guys, guess what happens? It works. She laughs. Oh, gentlemen, dating lesson 101, there's a girl you like, make her laugh, Okay. Now they're going, oh, no, I want someone mature with a nice car. No, 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 no. Just make them laugh. It goes a long way, especially for guys like me. So anyway, I made her laugh. Well, over a little while, I started saying, hey, you know, we should talk on the phone. Now, back in the day, there were no cell phones. 
okay? There were these plastic units with lots of buttons on them that were attached to the wall, and you would take the receiver off, and it had this little curly cue, uh, a pigtail cord, and then you'd pull it up, and you would stand in the kitchen and talk for hours. That's what I did. I got her telephone number. Things are moving the right direction, guys. And then we began to talk and talk and talk, and we were sharing back and forth, and eighth grade turned into ninth grade, and tenth grade turned into eleventh, and Guys, I don't know where I went wrong on this, man, but I got sucked into what is known as the friend zone. Y'all feel me? Now, here's the thing about Christine. If she were standing on stage right now and I was sharing the story, here's what, would, what she would hear this and she would probably roll her eyes, but it's the truth. She would say, no, he was just like my big brother, right? And let me just hit pause button. Folks, it's really not possible for teenagers to be friends with the opposite sex. And you go, oh, this guy, boo. No, it's totally true, okay? Now, for the girls, you really believe that you've got a big brother in your life. But can I just shoot straight with you? Your big brother wants to kiss you, okay? There's no such thing as this big brother business. Did I go too far? Brad, it was great being a youth pastor here. Thank you so much. Good night. Um, I, got, I really, I debated whether or not I should say that or not. That's okay. I um, used some of my capital just now. But here's the thing. So, big brother. So we graduate. And guys, here's what's so funny. Y'all think you're going to be best friends with all the people in your life in your school? Man, you're going to go off and you're not going to see anybody that you go to school with anymore. And that happened to Christine and I as well. My little sister left and I went off to do my thing. But then a couple of years later, I ran into Christine. Now, folks, what you got to understand is I'm no longer an insecure eighth-grade boy. I'm a grown man, and I know how to handle myself. And I see Christine, and she looks so amazing. She was cute as a high school girl, but oh, as a grown woman, you don't know. So I'm like, Christine, so good to see you. Let's go out. You know what she told me? Okay. <laughs> Guys, you got to understand we nail down a D-A-T-E, okay? This is amazing. And so it was in the middle of summer. I'll never forget it. It was, I, was, I couldn't believe it. And so it was the day of the date. And, and so I get up, and that's all I could think about. But guys, I've waited half my life for this day, literally. And so it's like New Year's Day, my birthday, and Groundhog Day all wrapped up into one. And so I'm getting dressed, and guys, I look so fly. I had on this, like, powder blue, oversized, baggy shirt. And, and I had on my acid wash jeans from Guess. I had my Reebok pumps on, first edition, 1991 probably, and, uh, and a mullet that would stop a train dead in its tracks. You get the picture? So, so I'm, I'm making my way to the date. And ladies, here's another thing you also need to know. Any respectable guy does a hygiene check right before they pick you up. So I'm driving, and what... There is a little fact I didn't share. So in my car, San Antonio, Texas, middle of summer, it's about 110 outside, and I have no air conditioning. And so I'm, I got the windows down, and I'm going. My mullet is flapping in the air, and I cannot wait to see Christine. So I'm at a stoplight, and I look in the rearview mirror and do a booger check. I'm like, okay, we're good. <sighs> Breath smells great. I get to the armpit, and then I realize I made a fatal error. Who forgets to put on their deodorant? In my excitement to get to her house, I forgot to put deodorant on. So I look down, and there's these big wet stains already beginning to form. 
Guys, are you feeling me? Okay. I can't stop at the grocery store. I didn't want to be late for the date. I don't want to give a bad impression, so I don't know what to do. So, guys, I just went to her apartment. I'm like, I'll figure it out. So I knock on the door. She opens the door. She looks amazing. We sit down. It was going to be one of those kind of chilled-out dates, you know what I'm talking about, where you're like, hey, where do you want to go? Oh, wherever you want to go. So we're sitting there, and then a thought struck me. And I said, hey, Christine, I said, before we go, I said, do you mind if I use your bathroom? She's like, yeah, for sure. Cool. So I go inside. I shut the door, I lock it, I turn the water on, I open up her medicine cabinet, and I go through, and I'm like, I find the deodorant. Now, guys, this is true. I take the cap off, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, I'm holding Christine's deodorant. Like, it's in my hands. This is, I was so excited, I wanted to take a bite out of it, you know? And so I unbutton my shirt, I put it inside, this is all true, you're like, where's Jesus, David? Just hang tight, all right? Relax. So I put it on, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so amazing. Boy, this is good. And then something happened in my body that has never happened before or since. It's like someone took two anthills and lit them on fire and shoved them into my armpits. And at first, I felt it like a pinch. And then it was like, okay, whoa. Ow. Ah, whoa. So I unbutton my shirt. I reach under this armpit. I pull out. Dude, there's hair on my, on my hand. I'm like, I, I had hair loss at a very early age. Started in a very weird place. So I pull, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Where's the, ah. So I reach under more hair. Now there's armpit hair all over her sink, all over her vanity. And, guys, it smells like the devil in there. And I don't know what's happening. So I go, what did I just put on my body? I open up the medicine cabinet. I pull out her deodorant. Oh, it was not. And some of the ladies have figured out exactly what I did. I put nair on my armpits. Thank you. I was in that room. I was in the bathroom for like 10, 15 minutes. You get what I'm saying? I expected her at any moment to knock on the door and go, hey, do you need something to read? Do you need some Imodium? Do you have IBS? What, what are you doing in there? Are you building a small village that we're going to on a date? So crazy. What is so even crazier is we actually started dating, and it was a successful date, and I was very, uh, very clean and on my armpits, and so it was great. But we actually came very close to getting married but God had different plans. And so I had actually, I was going to move to Nashville, and she was going to move up, and we were going to get married. And God was like, she ain't the one, armpit boy. <laughs> and God had better plans. How many of y'all would say that's kind of a jacked up story, right? That's, uh, that's just one of many I could share with you. But since we stat, sat at Starbucks, maybe you would go with David, just keep going. Just keep telling me stories. And what I would tell you is this. I, I was going to church nine months before I was born. And uh, what I mean by that is my dad was a pastor. And so I was raised in a pastor's home. And here's the thing. I, uh, I wanted to be just like my dad. I love the fact that he was a preacher. And I just remember growing up just watching him going, that's my dad on stage. And I wanted to be a preacher so bad. Before you put, put it up there, what you have to understand is that even at a young age when I didn't have a lot of words that I knew, I was preaching, okay? And there's this one time that my mom took this picture of me preaching at age three. There you go. That's me in my underwear, y'all. So when I say transparent, it's really dangerously close to transparent. But that's me. And what she would say, she would say that I would stand in the room and I would yell out, 
and my mom would yell from the kitchen, amen, amen. She'd get saved every time. It is so amazing. But that's me preaching my little face off. So I, I, my, I really idolized my father. I loved him, and I was a daddy's boy, and, and here's the truth of it. It's safe to say that out of the three siblings, I have an older brother and a younger sister. I was his favorite. And I know that's jacked up, but it's really kind of true. I mean, look at me. Can you blame him? But, but here's the thing. I was really his favorite, and my dad and I were tight, but here's what happened. When we talk about seasons, when we talk about trans, transitions, sometimes transitions, we choose those transitions, right? Other transitions are imposed upon us, and we have no choice in them. I'd much rather have a transition where I choose. But sometimes things happen to us, and we don't know why. There's a sense of injustice that takes place within us, and that kind of happened to me. When I was about 10 years old, my mom was diagnosed with double breast cancer. And, and so along with that, if that wasn't bad enough, though, my dad, being a preacher, he had just built a brand-new facility on the north end of town in San Antonio. So exciting. God was doing amazing things. And some of his closest friends and some of the people in leadership turned on him and tried to get him fired from the church. So here is my dad who is trying to hold a ministry together, hold his family together, and hoping that his wife doesn't die. And it wounded him so deeply that he never recovered. My dad used to preach with fire, and then he turned into this man that was just kind of mailing it in every Sunday. And as time went on, my mom and dad started sleeping in separate bedrooms. I didn't dig that. I was like, that's not. And then I started noticing that what he would preach on Sunday mornings didn't match what Monday through Saturday looked like. And I'm, I'm watching him. Now I'm in my early teens, and I'm looking at him, and I'm going, I'm not as impressed as I once was. And I remember getting into 13 and 14 years old, he started to stiff arm me and he started to distance himself from me. I was daddy's boy. What did I do to ask for this? So my grades began to slip. Flunk seventh grade. And things were just going really bad. And then I developed this thing called OCD. Now, I, it's okay, I totally get the jokes, I joke about OCD too, but at the time, it was verifiable, I had obsessive compulsive disorder. You see, here's what I will tell you, there's two different types of people in the world, there's exploders, and these are the ones who when they get hurt, they blow up, They're, these are the bullies at your school. Okay, these people are coming from a place of pain. The people who are just lashing out and they always have hurtful things to say to other people and they're abusive and they're manipulative, they're exploding. But then there's others of us and we're imploders. We put on a mask. We walk around and everything's fine. But inside, we're imploding. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because that's you right now. I get it, I've walked in your shoes. And I had this lonely, desperate teenage years. And, and so as time went on, I kind of got out of the awkward stage of being a junior hire and started to get my life together a little bit, discovered drums, started playing drums because I found out that you can get girls if you play drums. And so that was kind of nice. But then I hated my dad at this point. And so you can imagine this idea of me wanting to be a preacher just like him, no way. That's the farthest thing from my mind that I would ever want to do is to follow in his footsteps in any way because I hated him. So one night, it's about 16 years old, I'm in the garage playing drums. Now, what you have to understand is for about a year, my dad would keep this briefcase with him, 
And I noticed it, and at first I didn't pay attention to it, but I noticed that he would keep it with him like all of the time. And when I say all of the time, seriously, guys, he would put it right next to his bed in his bedroom and sleep with it right next to him. Well, I thought that was kind of weird. So one night, he comes cruising into the garage, and I'm playing drums. I stop him. He's like, hey, Dave. I'm like, yeah, whatever, yeah. And so he walks through, but I noticed he did something different that night. He had the briefcase, and he put it in the trunk of his car. I saw that. So that night, I was like, you know what? Tonight's the night we all find out what's in that briefcase. Yeah, well. So my dad goes asleep. He's snoring his face off. I'll never forget it. I go into his bedroom. His car keys to the Buick are on the little nightstand. Take the car, car keys, back out, shut the door. I go down. It's about midnight. I get in my dad's car. I'm not saying you should do this. This is my story, okay? So the parents in the room, they're like, oh, my gosh, armpit boy's going to. No, 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 just listen. So I take the keys. I get in my dad's car. So I'm going to get to the bottom of what's happening here. Something's not right. Something's shady. I get in my dad's car. I drive to the grocery store two blocks away, and I sit there. And it's one of those brief, briefcases that had the combination, you know, zero, 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 you know, like three-digit combination. And, guys, I'm a patient person. Guess where I started? Zero, zero, zero. Zero, zero, one. Zero, zero, two. Zero, zero, three. I'm going to go all the way up. No, I'm just kidding. Around 3.30 in the morning, about after about three and a half hours of this, around 740-something, click, click, the briefcase opened. And what I found in that briefcase forever changed my life in the direction I was headed. In the new year, I'll tell you what's in the briefcase. No, I'm just kidding. I would never do that. So, <laughs> that's so wrong. I hate you. So I opened up the briefcase, okay, and guys, in there were like receipts for flowers. He wasn't buying my mom flowers. And then I start going through, and I find letters, and I find all this stuff. And then I found this business card with this apartment that was like two or three miles away from our house. And I saw his name, and then I saw there was a key in there as well. And I was like, huh, let's just go see where this leads. So I get in my car, dad's car. And I drive to this address. It's an apartment complex. I pull up, apartment number 1204 on the second floor. I'll never forget it. I take the key, and I'm like, well, this has got to be it. Here we go. The bolt opens. I had no idea what I was going to find in there. But at this point, I had to get to the bottom of it, and I didn't care. I open up the door, and there's this apartment, and there's all this hard liquor on the counter, and there's a stack of pornography in the bedroom. I go over to this answering machine, which is this plastic device with this plastic thing inside that would record people's audio messages, and I hit play, and I begin to hear woman after woman after woman talk about how much they enjoyed my dad in the most inappropriate of ways. And here I am, guys. And I'm standing in Pastor Martin's little love nest. My father, the hypocrite. Well, I lock the door. I go home. I pull the car up into the garage or pull into the driveway. I jump out. I, I got to get the keys back. It's close to 6 o'clock by this point. I run in, open the door, put the keys in, shut the door. I go to my room, and I'm laying there in bed looking at the ceiling going, oh, my gosh, what did I just discover? I wasn't really counting on that. And I heard him get up like two or three minutes later. I was like, Phew. I break the news to my mom. She's devastated. She's just gone through a battle with cancer. And now 
She's got to deal with this. He, uh, he divorced my mom. He quit the church. And when he quit the church and he divorced my mom, he divorced and quit all of us. My dad wouldn't pay child support. My mom has never worked before. We had no place. We got evicted from our home. We didn't know where our food was going to come from. And guys, any sense within me that wanted him in my life or anything that even looked like his life, I didn't have an interest. So when I was 17, all of this went down. And you know what? When he left the church, so did I. And from the age of 17 all the way up into my 30s, I didn't go to church. I had no interest in it. Are you kidding me? you got to wear a mask at a church. you got to be fake at a church. Oh, no, everybody says, oh, blessings, brother. But you know what? No, they turn on you and they hurt you. And this is, the, this is where I was coming from because that had been my experience. So I meet Christine again. We almost get married. I move to Nashville. I meet this beautiful girl named Sarah. We get married. Here's the picture. Going to throw that up there. That's us. That's me with hair. Look how gorgeous. She looks the exact same. I don't know how that happens. A uh, little Benjamin Button thing going on or whatever. So anyway, that's us. We get married, and we fell accidentally into a musical career. And so I was able to quit my job and actually do music full-time. Guys, I got to tell you, there's something really special about being able to sleep till noon, write songs during the day, and then go play them for people, and they clap afterward. It's just the best thing ever. Um, but I'm not encouraging it. I'm just saying it was cool, all right? I really liked the story I was writing for myself. We had our son David at this point, and it's so cool. I love being a dad. Everything's legit. But my pen ran out of ink. On 2000, in 2002, January 31st, 2020, January 31st, 31st, 2002, my Lord, I really am a public speaker. <laughs> I woke up with major heart complications. I'd always been healthy, you know, just, I look like I am now, you know, and so I woke up and my heart was doing flip-flops, and so I woke Sarah up, and I said, honey, feel my chest. That doesn't feel right. She's like, no, you should probably go to the hospital. I said, okay. So I get in the car. I drive to the hospital. I get out of the car. I can barely walk to the ER. I'm like, what is going on with me? I've never had any trouble before in my life. I go into the ER, and they're like, they start hooking me up to all these wires and machines, and the doctor comes in, and he calls me Mr. Martin. I, no one calls me that, Mr. Martin. Um, you've got a cocktail of issues going on with your heart right now. And what we're trying to figure out is which one we need to look at and rectify first so we can bring your blood pressure down, your heart rate down. You also have a situation happening where you could form a blood clot or a stroke. You could form a blood clot. You can have a stroke. You can have a heart attack at any moment. So we really are, this is a very serious thing. Guys, I'm like 31 at this point. And I'm like, what? How could that be? I'm sure they'll fix it. Well, the hours went by, and I'm not getting any better. I'm getting worse. So now I'm laying in there, and the doctor comes in, and he says this to me. He said, Mr. Martin, you're not responding to any of the treatments, so here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to stop your heart and then restart it. We're going to do that in 15 minutes. We'll be back. Now, listen, I'm not a medical expert, but a jacked-up heartbeat is better than no heartbeat, right? I liked what I had. I'm hanging on for dear life for what I've got. But guys, here's what, here's what has led me to the stage to be in front of you. In that moment, the doctor left and I was by myself. And my first thought was this. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to live to see the sunset today. That, I never thought like that before. Dying is something you do when you're old. Not when you're 31 with a five-year-old son. And I began to think about my life. 
The truth is, guys, I always said I'm living the dream. But the truth is, is I realized in that moment that whatever my purpose was for living, I hadn't fulfilled it. And guys, there's no emptier feeling than that. To go, I've wasted my shot. I blew my shot at life. And now I'm going out. Have never, I didn't know what I was on the planet to do. And then I began to think about my marriage. And the truth is, guys, the first 10 years of my marriage with Sarah, the only thing that honestly kept us together was our son and our music career. Divorce was constantly on the table for us. We had no marriage. It was a wreck. And then I have this five-year-old son, and I'm like, I'm, le- I'm going to die today not having li- fulfilled my purpose with a bad marriage, and I'm bailing on my son. <sighs> but this is the part that really got me. I'd grown up in church. I knew all the church answers. I knew how to look the part, act the part, and be the part. But in that moment, guys, I realized I know a lot about God, but I don't know if I know Jesus. Some of you have been raised in Christian homes, and that's good. But sometimes we can become so desensitized to what the gospel truly is that agreeing with the gospel is a whole different thing than knowing Christ. Does that make sense? There's an eternity difference between those two things. Some of you know a lot about God, and you're a fan of Jesus, but you don't know him. And I realized that in the ER. And I went, oh, my gosh, if I'm going to die, if I were to die today, I don't know. What if this is all true? What if there really is a hell and a heaven? Where am I going to go? And I didn't have any peace or assurance. And this is what I did. I said, Jesus, if you can hear me, I want to know what it means to truly know you. And I want to know what you put me on this planet to do. Would you please give me a second chance? Well, spoiler alert, I lived. But I prayed, and I said, in Jesus' name, please give me another chance, and I'll live the rest of my life pursuing those two things. Immediately, my heart went right back to normal. The doctors are rolling in. We'll, we'll applaud for God. Yeah, man, thank you. Yes. Thank you. So, God is good. He gave me a second chance, and guys, that put me on a journey. Now, in my mind, I think we're just going to start doing Christian music, okay? God's like, no, you're not. So we start going to church faithfully, and I was the kind of guy that would show up late and leave early. I didn't want to interact with church members. I was like, they're all still phonies and fakes. I have no interest in them. I just want to know God, okay? But there was this guy, and his name was Kyle, and he was like this big, tall Texan guy. I normally wouldn't have been friends with this type of person. We just, our paths wouldn't have crossed. He was older than I was. He sold insurance, and I don't know, and I'm just this little artsy, skinny guy that, you know, just trying to figure out life, right? But he, he, was, he was good to me, and he was nice to me, and he didn't judge me because at the time, I was still smoking two packs a day, and, you know, I just wasn't that, I was rough around the edges, okay? But I'm trying to figure this stuff out. Kyle became my friend. And instead of Kyle trying to fix everything about me and my language or maybe I'll did some habits, and stuff, you know what he, he did instead? He looked beyond trying to make me good, and he tried to find the greatness in me. He was a true friend. And this is what he told me about a year into this relationship. He said, David, that's the way he talked. He's like, David, I think you'd make a good youth pastor. And I'm like, Kyle, smoke another one, man. No way. No, I think he would. He was relentless about this. 
he would not stop. And then he says, David, there's a church right up the road looking for a youth pastor. I recommended you. I said, you did what? Dude, no way. I, me, Pastor Martin? No. But I drove by this church every day. And then I had the thought, the Holy Spirit gave me this hot thought, what, what does it hurt to have lunch with the pastor? Okay, it's just lunch. So we go to Chili's and we sit down and I go, this is Southern Baptist preacher that I'm interviewing with, okay? Very, very conservative small Baptist church in Texas. And this is what I told him. I said, listen, I said, here's what I want you to know. I'm only here because I want to be obedient to God, but I want to let you know a couple of things. Number one, I'm not going to fake it. So you're going to, you're going to hear the real me right now. My mouth isn't that clean. I like to smoke cigars. I have no education. I'm a washed-up musician. And by the way, I don't even like teenagers. What do you think? I was like, listen, I'm not getting into church. God, if you're really calling me to church, I'm not going to come and fake in it. You're going to see me warts and all. Now, I'm not saying I can't fix those things and walk more towards holiness, but this is where I'm at today. And he said, well, brother, I'm going to meet with the deacons, and I'll call you back in a week. And I got in the car, and I said, Lord, if that man calls me back and says, you're the guy, then I'm just going to assume that this is what you want me to do because I wanted to hold true to what the deal was I made with the Lord. Would you believe that dude called me back? And he said, well, brother, we prayed with the deacons. You're the guy. Oh, my gosh. June 1st, 2004. I'm staring in 11 faces in this little youth room, in this little country church, and I went, God, what in the world am I going to do now? I don't know the Bible. I'm, I'm a joke. I'm like, uh, I don't even know. I, where do you, how do you even plan a camp? How, where, how, where do you rent a van? I mean, I knew nothing. But guys, can I tell you something? Boy, I tell you, Brad nailed it. God is so good, isn't he? God continually has just opened up doors, and I never want to live my life in a way where I play it safe for safe's sake, and I never want to live my life in a way that goes, I got to protect my comfort. Here's the bottom line, y'all. The reason why I took this position is not because I wanted to go work at a mega church. The reason why I took this position wasn't because I'm trying to chase back into something that God's closed the door on. No, the Lord came to me about this. And my wife, we fasted and we prayed, didn't we, hon? And we said, Lord, if this is where you want me to be, where you're going to move, I want to be a part of your work where you want me to be. I want to be in that wave. I don't want to, I'm done managing my own life. And so, guys, that's what gives me the confidence and the authority to step into what God has given me to lead you guys. Some of you are curious, but what happened to your dad? Well, five years ago, on my 40th birthday, the Lord said, David, call your dad. God, I'm so, I've forgiven him. We're good. I don't need to call him. He said, no, don't take this into your 40s. After 20 years of being estranged with my dad, I found his number, and I called him up. And this is what I told him. I said, Dad, this is Dave. Who? David, you know, the favorite. And he's like, oh, yeah, Dave, wow, wow, interesting to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, I know. Listen, I said, just listen to what I have to say. I said, Dad, I want to let you know something. Number one, I forgive you. I said, I judged you harshly as a young man who's hurt, who hurt my mom. But now that I've got some life under me, I'm not justifying what you did. I said, but 
I understand how stuff happens, and I just want to let you know that I forgive you, and I release you from anything you think I hold against you. And I said, guess what? He said, what? I said, I'm a pastor. He's like, oh, David, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And that began the healing of a relationship. My dad and I, we hang out all the time. We text each other. He, he's always sending me political things, pro-Trump. He, you know, he's, he's like you know, a 70-year-old dad, you know. Our stories matter, and your story matters. And God is writing a story in each one of your lives. And I don't know what part of my story that you can identify with, but here's what I will let you know. That Jesus is a much better author than you could ever be on your best day. I've done it my way. God's way is better. And the reason why is because Hebrews 12 describes Jesus as the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so as we left Starbucks, after we've had like nine venti somethings, and we're leaving, this is what I would tell you. And I want you to look on the screens when I put this up. Or put that up. DSM, the outcome of your story will be determined by who the author is. I would encourage you, if you've been struggling, maybe this past semester hasn't really shaped up to what you thought it would look like. Some of you made promises over the summer to God that you were going to be faithful and holy and, and, and walk in greater holiness but you have aligned yourself with a boy or a girl or a group of people, and now you're sitting here and you're loaded down with shame and regret. Some of you in here, you're like, you feel so far from God and you're mad at him for whatever reason or whatever's going in your world and your life, and you don't know what to do with it, and you want to take the pen back because you don't feel like God's been that great of an author because of what you're going through. I've been there and I know what that's about, but I want to let you know something. He's always been faithful to me through the good times and the bad, and he'll be faithful to you. So with that said, it's going to be a sweet, amazing, fun journey with you. And I cannot wait for the honor to lead you and disciple you and to pour into you and hear your stories and then kick you out when you make good grades and graduate so you can go live a life and with purpose and meaning so you don't have to wait until you're in the ER in your 30s to figure it out. You have a calling and a purpose on your life. Jesus loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it, okay? Not only that, but this will be a youth group that is not a holy huddle. This is a place to get filled up, but you guys are going to learn how to share Christ with your peers. You guys are going to learn how to make an impact at your schools in a way that's meaningful. You're going to learn how to make disciples before you even get out of next semester. Okay? We're going to wreck this place for the glory of God. You with me? All right. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for this story because it's not mine. It's one you've written for me. And God, I'm so thankful that part of the story that you've written is for me to stand on this stage to look in the faces of these amazing students. And I'm able to lead them as you lead me. So bless them and keep them. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Give it up for Pastor Dave. Come on, give it up for him.
Hey, DSM, we are so honored to have him as our pastor. Trust me as I say that. As the band is starting to play behind us, I want to invite the Martin family up to the stage. We're going to pray for them tonight. We're going to pray for them tonight, and we're going to mean it, and we're going to be authentic about it. So staff, if you don't mind coming up as well. DSM, over the past month, I have shed more tears than you could probably ever imagine. <laughs> I have wept, we have wept, saying, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, we don't understand what is going on, and I don't know if I'm okay with it. I don't know if I'm okay with what you're doing, Lord. But I, tonight, I hope you felt the clarity that I did, saying, Lord, you're in control. Saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I burn for you. And I thank you. DSM, I, I am almost tear-filled saying, oh, Lord, thank you for this man, for this family, for the staff that stands up here. We are so thankful to lead you guys. And this is just the beginning. So if you would, let's stand up all together. Stretch out your hands for this, towards this amazing man and his family. And pray. Pray with your heart. Pray with a voice. Speak out that the Lord is going to do something great in his life. Something great in this ministry. That there is going to be a, a blessing and favor over his life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into this ministry right now, into Pastor David Martin's family, into this move, into this transition. We say, Holy Spirit, you are our provider. Father, you are our provider. You are this good God who sent this great man to lead this amazing youth group. So right now we come before you humbly and honor you for this amazing opportunity to say, Jesus, we love you. In the midst of difficulty, we love you. In the midst of uncircumstance, uh, confusion, we love you. We love you. We love you. I thank you for this passionate man who says, no matter the outcome, no matter the circumstance, no matter what the world may tell me, I will love Jesus all of my days. And Jesus, this family who has said, I will follow Jesus no matter the cost. No matter the cost, I will follow Jesus. Through, through, through darkness, through trial, through fire, through storm, I know that there is joy. I know that there is joy for following Jesus. So Jesus, we bless Pastor David. We, we bless Sarah. And we bless their amazing children and their future here at Desperation Student Ministries at New Life Church in Colorado Springs. And we say, Jesus, you will be glorified here. You will be lifted high out of this youth group. From this room, from this ministry, there will be salvation. There will be outreach. There will be evangelism. There will be a youth group that rises up from the ashes and says, Jesus, we love our pastor. We love our pastor. Jesus, come and anoint this man with oil right now. Anoint this man with oil, with the oil of gladness, the oil. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you. We love you. DSM, would you say it with me right now? Would you say it with me right now? Amen. 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 Hey, DSM, let's worship together. Let's worship and thank the Lord for this family right now.
Father, we thank you for tonight. Jesus, we thank you for what you're starting and what you're bringing us into. Father, we thank you for Pastor David. We thank you for bringing him to us. Father, we bless him. We're so excited to see what you have for us and what you have in store. Thank you, Father. Thank you for coming tonight, for showing up so faithfully like you always do. In Jesus' name. DSM. Um, my name is Jedediah Massey. <laughs> I'm a third year in DLA. Um, I just have a few announcements that we want to make. So, Pastor David, you guys definitely want to meet this guy. He's incredible. Um, he'll be, I think, over here, somewhere around. Get to meet him around here. Um, so come up, make sure you meet him. Also, there is food in the lobby. So we're going to celebrate out in the lobby. Uh, number three, so since there's food in the lobby, we're not going to Chick-fil-A. And then also, no DSM until January 4th. So if you show up, you can come hang out, but we won't be here. So, um, yeah. And so once again, come meet Pastor David down here. Have a blessed night. Love you guys.